for your people. So have your Bibles. Genesis 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. So the picture we have here, Adam and Eve, they're standing in the garden with fig leaves on, covering their shame, trying to cover their guilt, and they hear a sound. They hear footsteps of someone approaching them. They recognize the sound. They're familiar with the sound. It was the sound of the Lord. That's what they heard. And what was God doing in the garden? What was he doing? Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And for the first time in Genesis 3, we have the Lord God on the scene. You know, for the first three verses, you know, it was the serpent and Eve and Adam doing their little thing. And now here, the return of God. And don't forget, in the context of the situation, they just rebelled against God. And then they hear him walking, approaching. And when you go out to, to dinner, or when you leave here and go to dinner, and you're sitting next to a family and the kids start being disobedient, what do you think? You wonder what the parents are going to do to get the kids to calm down. That's what you think. I wonder what they're going to do. How are they going to respond to their kids' disobedience? How is God going to respond? Because his two kids were just obedient, just disobedient. And so how is he going to deal with them? What is he going to say to them? How is he going to approach them? What is his intentions here? As he's walking in the garden. Because we know God knows what just happened, right? He's God, so he has to know. So what is his intentions here? One commentator, Matthew Henry, says, The Lord God came into the garden as one still willing to be familiar with them. He came walking, not running, not riding on the winds, wings of the wind. You see, the language Moses is using here, this striving God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, he's using that to communicate that at one point there was joy, pleasure, and happiness in their fellowship with the Lord God. At one point, it was perfect joy, perfect pleasure, Perfect happiness, perfect fellowship. And as I said earlier, they knew the voice. They recognized who it was. There was no confusion on the identity of the one walking in the garden. This was not God going on the meditation walk, clearing his thoughts, relieving stress. His intentions were to go meet with Adam and Eve. That's why he's there. He's just not walking in the garden just to relieve stress. He's going to meet with Adam and Eve. And don't think that this is some unusual thing. Remember, this is Eden. This is something that he did regularly. They were in fellowship with God. And so they were used to his presence in the garden. And this is what Moses is letting us know. God's presence was in the garden. And our first parents knew it. And for them... Being in the presence of God was normal before the fall. It was just life for them. Being in his presence with fullness of joy was normal before, for them before the fall. Keep in mind, he had a special relationship with them that he did not have with the other created things, the other created beings. What do you mean, Alex? First, Genesis 2, they were created in his image. Were there any other creatures created in God's image? 
Was the lion created in God's image? Was the zebra created in God's image? There was only one being created in the image of God, and that was Adam and Eve. That's man. Special relationship. Genesis 2-7 says, The Lord of God breathed into the man the breath of life, and man became a living creature. God gave the man life, the breath of life. And also in Genesis 2, we see the Lord God, he brought to the man all the beasts of the field and the birds. And what did the man do when God brought the animals to him? The man named them. God let the man name all the creatures. And what does that show us? That man had dominion over all the other created animals. He was different. God had given him dominion over them, to rule over them, to subdue them. In their relationship before the fall, there was complete trust and dependency. They enjoyed God like we never could. They did not sense his presence from a distance. It was up close and personal, face to face. That's what, that's what it was like, man. That's what it was like. God's face shined upon them with deep affection and deep favor. The creator and the creation were in right relationship with one another. And all things were well, man. All things very good. One Christian said, God was in familiar intercourse with the man in the happy days of his innocence. God was loved as father. And guess what? Fear was unknown. Can you imagine that? Fear was unknown before the fall. He says the severe rule, no one beholds God and lives, did not even exist then. They beheld God and lived. Saw God and lived. Face to face with no need for a mediator. Know that? No need for a high priest. You see the relationship? You see how good it was? Many of, us, many of you know Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned and fallen short to God's glory. That's my reality. That's your reality. That was never Adam and Eve's reality before the fall. They never fell short. Until they fell. And think about those moments of, in your relationship with the, with the Father when you sense closeness to Him. Don't you have those moments when you, feel, when you can sense that you're growing in Him, that you're loving Him, do you have those moments? Or am I just talking to myself? Adam and Eve, that was that moment all the time before the fall. It wasn't like this. We're like this. For them, it was always like this. Until they fell, it was like this. It was not a roller coaster like it is for us. They had and were living. They created purpose. The created purpose was to be in fellowship with God. And they had it, man. They were living it. Everything changed from one bite, from one decision, from one taste. And this time when they heard the Lord's God's voice in the garden, something was different. It didn't entice the same joyous feelings it did before. Why was it different? Because they were different. They were different. And the way they saw the Lord God was different because they fell. I'm sure many of you have what I want to call breakup and rejection stories. 
of relationships that fail. I know I have my share. I'm sure you have your share. And some of them, some of those uh, rejection stories and breakups are painful. Some of them are funny now because you can look back and laugh at them. And when I was in college, you know, me and some of my friends, we used to share these rejection stories and breakup stories. And it became like a ritual for us to see who had the worst one. And we'd sit back and laugh about it. <laughs> and they're sad and yet funny. You know, I had one friend, <laughs> he was having lunch with this girl, and she told him, if I can just put that guy's face on your body, then you'd be a perfect guy. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Rejection. <laughs> and those things are painful. And the worst for me came when I was in college as well. I was sitting in my dorm room one night. The phone rang. And the girl on the other end said, hey, Alex, we need to talk. Can we meet? I said, sure. So you know, I left my dorm room. I didn't know what to expect. We met in front of this academic building on campus. And what went down, now I didn't think what was going to happen it happened, but I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something else. And so the more she shared, you know, I got there, she was waiting on me. The more she shared, I realized rejection is coming. <laughs> but she's prolonging it. So <laughs> they stick me with the knife already. And, and if, 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 if that night was a scene in a suspense movie, you would have heard the drums playing, the music building up. The suspense is coming because she's getting ready to lay down the rejection. I haven't shared this with many people, but some of my friends. But, you know, she said, Alex, Alex, 95% of me don't feel the same way I used to feel about you. And I was thinking to myself, okay, there's still 5%. So I still got a chance. But she's not done yet. She, she, has, she puts a cherry on top. And she says, Alex, and I'm praying that God take away the other five. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, well, what do you say to that? <laughs> okay, so you hate me. And for Adam and Eve, they rejected God here. It was rejection. It wasn't 95% of them, but it was 100% of who they are rejected the Lord God. They broke up with Him. The way they saw Him, the way they felt about Him, the way they depended upon Him, the way they trusted Him has now changed. In their rebellion, they broke up with their Creator. They rejected Him. And they turned their backs on Him. 100% of who they are no longer hears the sound of the Lord God the same way. There's no longer joy. There's no longer excitement. 100% of who they are no longer finds pleasure in His presence now. 100% of who they are is no longer in perfect fellowship with the Father. Just like their innocence. Just like their innocence. They lost fellowship with God because they ate the forbidden fruit. And now their disobedience created a gap, a separation between the creator and his creation. The relationship has changed and not for the better. And this is seen in their response to hearing the Lord in the garden. Verse 8 again says, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God 
among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves. Their first instinct, you can see a change, was to run from him. Not to run toward him, not to run to greet him, but to run away from him. And guess what? He's not even there yet. He's just walking toward them. And yet they run away and hide among the trees in the garden. They are not the same two people they used to be. And the fig leaves that they had could not save them, could not protect them, could not cover them enough from the Lord God. And so they run and hide behind the trees. As one commentator said, they they shunned him whose presence they used to welcome. They shunned him. No. I don't want to see you. I don't want you to see me. Running from his presence. And they were afraid. Afraid of God's presence. That's what we see here. And so it's, you know, the picture you should have is it's like little kids running into the forest to hide behind the trees. Hide behind the trees. And they poke their heads out to see if he's coming. Is he coming? Is he coming? Be quiet, Eve. You're breathing too hard. He's going to find us. Is he coming? But yes, he's coming. As my, one of my seminary professors said, sinful man is afraid to be seen by a holy God. Afraid to be seen. They don't want to see God. They don't want to look into his eyes. They don't want to see him face to face because they knew what they did. They felt fear for the first time. And we see here in our first, in our first parents is that there's the game of hide and seek. The very first game of hide and seek is in Genesis 3. And you wonder why it's a universal game. Our first parents created it. Hiding from their creator. And we still play this game today. All people, you, even you and I included, before you come to saving faith, you are hiding from the Lord. Do you know that? It's only... And only the reason you have come to saving faith is because the Lord had patiently sought after you. You didn't seek after him. He pursued you. Even for us Christians, we still have areas in our life in which we try to hide from God and say it's mine. Yeah, you can have this, but this is mine. Don't we? Yes, we do. Do you know your created purpose is to be in fellowship with God. It's not the things you're living for right now. It's not the things you think you need right now. Your created purpose in this life is to be in fellowship with the Father. Not 95% of you, not 75% of you, not 2% of you, not 10% of you, 100% of who you are was created for that purpose. Every human being was created for that purpose, to be in fellowship with the Father. The thing that we lost in Genesis 3, 8, well, 3, 6, when they ate of the fruit. And so now, human beings are hiding from that. They run from that. Where are you this morning? Are you hiding in the trees? Are you in the forest hiding? Are you hiding behind your own goodness? Hiding behind your own sense of self-righteousness? Where are you hiding? Well, you feel like you don't need him. That's hiding. 
I got my life all together. I don't need God. I just need a little bit of God. Where are you? Hiding from God reveals separation from him, a broken relationship, broken fellowship. But this hiding also reveals a lost sense of your need for him. But what do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Stephen Hawkins, I think he's an atheist guy. You know, he's a physicist, uh, physicist, I think. And his new book, The Grand Design, he says, because there's a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. Why the universe exists and why we exist. God did not create the universe. The Big Bang was an inevitable consequence of the law of physics. That's what I mean by a lost sense of our need for fellowship, by that kind of statement. We don't think we need God. We look for ways to prove he does not exist. We look for ways to prove why we don't need him. Law of gravity. I got gravity. I don't need God. And so you have the fall. The fall has taken away for us seeing the need for him. We all have no people or work with people who are not believers. And they don't even think they need God. God is not even on their radar. Why is that? Genesis 3, man. That's why. They are going this way. And it takes God coming to bring them to, to bring him back to themselves. He had to come pursue them and bring them back to him. And all of us was that person, man. All of us were. We used to before you became a believer, God was on your radar. You were living, you were doing your thing. And if people talked about God, either you hated God or God wasn't really gonna was really a need for you. Until he spoke into your life, until he changed your heart, then you saw your need. Then you saw your need. In our present state, we don't naturally come to God apart from God coming to us and bring and giving us a desire to come to him. That's why we come. This morning when when I drove up to the church this morning, it was trash all over the parking lot. So and Trash out of the trash can here. Someone had ripped the trash bag and, and, and threw the trash all over the place. So I had to go by and pick it all up. It was nasty stuff. And I was thinking, that's what God was getting ready to do for Adam and Eve. They just trash your souls. Trash everywhere. Life broken. Life messed up. Dirty plates. Old food. Old bottles. Old toilet tissue all on the ground. And God was going to have to pick it all up himself and that's what he did for you and me he picked up the trash of my own life and what this shows us that we're going to get to later is that there has to be a mediator now keep in mind christmas is coming you know what's special about christmas mediator because what we're doing with these sermons here is that what everything that we lost in the garden Christmas is going to restore. You gotta see that. Christmas is going to restore it. They lost their innocence. And so they need a covering. What covering do you have? We just talked about it. They lost their fellowship with God. So now they need a mediator. He's coming. Christmas is coming. He's coming. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that We do have a mediator and that he came 
Christmas is coming. And I know, Lord, that you love your people. And I, I know that Adam and Eve messed up a lot of things for us, but we still see that you still did not just wipe them out. You were still merciful to them, had patience with them. That's the kind of guy you are. Always faithful, always providing, more merciful than we can even imagine. And so again, I pray, Lord, that for all of us in our walks with you, that you will strengthen us. Those who are here who may not know you, I pray that you will reveal yourself to them more and more. And those of us who do, help us to give all of our life to you, even the things we want to hold on to and hide from you. Open up our hands and take our life. Take every area of it, Lord, and mold it into what you want it to be. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.